This week is the last episode of The Informed for the year, ahead of some really exciting changes that are going to be implemented in February next year when, when we return. But for the last episode, it's something quite special, actually. We're checking back in with ACT Health, with the University of Sydney's Brain and Mind Centre, in conjunction with BHP Foundation's research project, Right Care, First Time, Where You Live. Now, if you remember the first episode, I caught up with Joey Brogdon and Elizabeth Moore, and we got to talk about what the hopes and aspirations were, what the difficulties have been uh, that have put them in a perfect position for this research project and to be one of the program sites. And we really got to understand the lay of the land for the ACT Health, particularly for young people and, and what service access looks like. Today, I get to catch up with Joey Brogdon again, but I've also gotten the wonderful opportunity to catch up with a colleague of mine, Sam Huntley. And Sam is brilliant. She is sunshine and smiles, just like Joey. And so it was such a wonderful chat to actually be on the call with the two of them and to get even just the smidgest amount of the kind of working relationship they had, the trust that they had in each other and how they were able to bring what was all challenge into pretty much all success really in in the eyes of the program and, and how things moved. They both together moved mountains. Sam was integral uh, in the the role of actually being able to listen to what Joey was saying as a young person and what young people needed and responding before she'd even finished the sentence. So to hear about that in this episode is just so wonderful. I mean, it's wonderful to actually see it as well, um, which will be live soon. But I really hope you enjoy this wonderful episode brought to you by the University of Sydney's Brain and Mind Centre on their program, Right Care, First Time, Where You Live. Thank you so much, Joey, for returning. It's been however many months. Uh, The year has just sort of flown by. I feel like we had just gotten out of COVID and also it was just Christmas, but it's also like we're coming up to Christmas so it's been, yeah, a huge year. And I know it's been a huge year for ACT Health as well, which we're going to chat about today. And I want to welcome Sam Huntley. I'll let you introduce yourself, Sam and Joey as well, just to sort of refresh our minds. But Sam, what do you do? You're part of the Brain and Mind Centre's team, aren't you? I am. I am part of the Brain and Mind Centre's Right Care First Time Where You Live project and I'm the stakeholder and implementation manager on the project. So yeah, what does that mean? What does that mean? (laughs) Yeah, sure. So um, my job is to, you know, this project, as you would have heard over time, is a participatory action research project. So the big key part of that is making sure that all the stakeholders are engaged with the project. So my job is to facilitate any community engagement, but especially, especially youth lived experience engagement in the project and making sure that their voice is heard in the project and that they feel like an equal partner as a re- as part of the research. Huge. And we'll, we'll get to that a bit later as well and some of the changes and, and sort of 
tide shifts and things a bit later. But Joey, did you want to just give us a refresher of who you are, what you are, what you do sort of a thing and, and also your exciting new role? Yes, yes. So I'm, I'm Joey. I'm a um, youth advocate for a range of things um, like mental health, sexual health, neurodiversity, a whole bunch of things, but primarily focused on mental health at the moment. And I was kind of like the little resident young person for the Right Care First Time Where You Are project, um, helping give that lived experience perspective. And as of recently, I'm also now on the Brain and Mind Centre team um, as a digital navigator and (laughs) as a digital navigator and lived experienced researcher. What's a digital digital navigator? It's um, I think it's a new term for so many people. Yeah, so it's actually a brand new role. It's never really been done before. So we're actually kind of working together to kind of define what it means for us and for the people we're working with. But long story short, there's a platform called Innerwell, which is there to help young people um, track their um, mental health and physical well-being with their clinicians. So like they can put in how they've been doing recently, take onto questionnaires that like scans for depressive symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. And then their clinician will be able to view that like in real time and you'll be able to have more open discussions with your clinician. And so my kind of role is when we're implementing that in new practices. So we've recently just like paired up with Mary Mead, who's going to start using in a well. My job is to kind of come in there and be that kind of young lived experience person that will help them engage with the platform in a meaningful way and like help them work with young people in a way that works because you know there's usually some resistance and it's good to have a young person help other young people get on board and help the team kind of see the merit of it all so that's kind of what I'm doing as a digital navigator so like I guess like following that on I want to know what in a well means for you Joey and and why you've sort of accepted this role as a digital navigator and somewhat of an ambassador for in a well in your sort of local community for those listeners who are tuning in now and, and haven't listened to some of the episodes on in a well it is like you said Joey it's this digital platform that tracks our mental health you know out from well-being all the way through like thriving surviving uh, all the way through to sort of some of those tougher episodes it allows to sort of see patterns it allows your clinician like you were saying Joey but I use it as well and I find it really I guess empowering is uh, a term I would use from from that sort of data observation sort of a thing. And I think data, I, I guess, particularly now in this current social climate with data b- breaches and things like that seems really quite, uh, we feel quite tentative and, and frigid when it comes to that. But I guess for you, Joey, uh, what does InnerWell mean for you? Again, why, why have you sort of accepted this role as an InnerWell ambassador somewhat? And what is your perspective on the, the privacy side of the data as well would be interesting to know. I think it's an amazing step in the right direction when it comes to measurement-based care. It, as you said, it's very empowering. It helps young people empower themselves to, like, it helps them take control of their own care. You know what I mean? Uh, so have you ever been to, like, a GP or a clinician and you just feel like, what they're saying isn't working but you don't know because you know you've never been to one before you just you can't really tell if things aren't right for you and then if you do tell you can't really approach that conversation you don't know how you don't want to offend your clinician etc etc this gives you the ability to actually see 
how you've been going and track that and go, actually, yeah, no, I haven't been getting better. Or this treatment was supposed to, you know, make me feel a bit worse and then get better, but I'm not actually improving and I want to know why and I want to see if there's other options out there. It really helps you find care that works best for you and it helps clinicians be prepared for those sessions and come in knowing what you want to talk about together. And, you know, it helps clinicians be held accountable and make them listen to young people on what they want to focus on and what they want to do. And I think that's really powerful and important, especially considering like in ACT, there's such a strain on the mental health care system. You really want to make every appointment count and you want to make it matter and work well for you. And so having like 10 sessions that just aren't giving you what you need is nowhere near as beneficial (laughs) and having actual data to prove that, okay, in the past, this treatment has worked for me. Can we please focus on this? Or as you can see, my like functioning has been like really bad recently. Can we move and jump ship and focus on that for a little bit? So I just really love that kind of data and being able to like take it with you going forward. And it's just, I don't know, I'm a bit of a data junkie. So it's kind of, (laughs) uh, I I just really like it. I think (laughs) I, um, think that like in a well itself you know it's not a perfect platform there's nothing quite like it at the moment and I think it's going to go amazing places and the more that we work on improving it the more that it's going to be more useful I don't know I'm just I'm just fully passionate about this whole area and that's why I accepted it and really wanted to get involved with it so yeah <laughs> that makes sense but <laughs> oh it absolutely does and I think uh, some of the points that you picked up on and, and I guess not just, I don't think they're just the imp- opinion of a data junkie either. I think they are, they are something that, you know, we, I use my Apple watch and my phones, uh, iPhones health built in health sort of app and absolutely enamored with how, uh, just all it is and how it tracks my water, my activity, my sleep, my heart rate, my even, you know, when I'm getting how much sun I'm getting and when I'm getting sun from a UV sort of thing. And sort of being able to see that when I look back and be like, yeah, like you were saying, I'm not doing so well or, oh crap, I've just, I wake up this morning and I woke up yesterday and the day before and I'm just not feeling great. And it's like, is this the start of something or is this sort of just like I've got a bit of a lurgy or whatever? And you're able to really implement that uh, early intervention, right? Like you're able to sort of line up an appointment or think about like, okay, this afternoon I'm definitely going to go and get some sun midday or things like that, right? Yeah, and that's great. It's like, especially, especially for neurodivergent people, like I'm autistic and have ADHD and in a world has been great for me, like because of the fact that I have a little bit of poor introspection, like when it comes to like my physical well-being and my mental well-being, sometimes I don't realize I'm burnt out until I'm literally like unable to get out of bed, you know what I mean? But stuff like in a well, being able to see my progress over time, I go, oh, I've been clearly on a downward slope. Maybe I need to take a couple rest days. You know, and like you said, it's a preventative measure and being able to really learn about yourself and have informed decisions in your care and just all that fun stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's it's kind of like, I guess we've all seen the, the sort of mock graph to sort of show us that recovery is not linear. Like it's quite like a, um, it's a very jagged, very like two steps forward, one step back, sometimes like five steps forward, like one step back it's it's all over the place in in a beautiful chaotic mess sometimes not beautiful but 
I think what from that data perspective, it does show a personalized version of that, right? Like it shows, like you're saying, the improvements and, and things like that and the coordination of services. As Innerwell is somewhat of a decision support tool for on, on a minor scale for yourself and your clinician and, and sort of informing you know, your appropriate care and if we need to step up a treatment or introduce another clinician or another sort of area, a decision support tool is like key to the right care first time where you live, Sam. And I wanted to know from your perspective of sort of engaging the community and really making sure that everyone's voice is being heard, was that a hard thing to actually do? and feed into the decision support tool? It really was, Sam. Yeah, and I think you you talked about it's, it feels like such a long time ago when you last spoke with Joey and Elizabeth. It was back in March, and March 2022 was actually still quite a high COVID time. Like it was, <laughs> it was quite a difficult time. And even for those of us who have been in the the business I guess of stakeholder engagement for a long time doing stakeholder engagement during a COVID pandemic has Mm. completely turned things on its head Um, and traditional things that we used to do to get people involved in projects we kind of really had to up the ante so we found when we got to workshop one we'd done some engagement with some young people and unfortunately because of the time that we're in, we had the lovely Joey turn up. (laughs) 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 That was our only young person. And we really recognise that a youth mental health model needs young people at the heart. So I think we... We went back from workshop one and we collected ourselves and we grabbed Joey and said, we (laughs) We need you, please join us. (laughs) And we need your support and we can't do this without you. And we worked as a group. There was a core group of us. So from the Office of Mental Health and Wellbeing, the PHN and the Youth Coalition, the youth peak body in the ACT, along with Joey, we met and threw around ideas about how we were going to do this differently and how we were going to ensure that young people's voice was in this model, in this decision-making support tool. So from that, Joey Joey threw at us a big challenge, but we, within a few weeks, turned around and had a youth-specific workshop one so that we could make sure that we had young people voice involved in the project and they didn't miss out on that initial stage of the project and I think Joey we have nearly 30 people RSVP 30 young yeah yeah we had RSVP in like two weeks we had like 17 in the first couple yeah. of days as well blimey I I um yeah I was gonna say thank you so much for that Sam because like coming in from a youth perspective usually when I get involved and in, like advocacy work all the time well sometimes I'm just there to tick a box and other times I'm there and like they're listening to me but obviously you know there's a lot of constraints and they're not willing to put in that extra effort or really prioritize the live like making sure lived experience is valued and a part of the project but the fact that you guys literally I was like we should have a, a workshop and then like <laughs> we've got two weeks we should we should plan another workshop in between the other two for young people and I did not think that it would be possible when you guys 
ran with it and it was a success and I'm really grateful that, that, you know, the project had that much commitment to making sure that young people were involved in the first stage. And then, you know, the, the show up for how many young people were at workshop one versus workshop two was crazy. There was like, how many people attended, young people attended workshop two? We had 15 young people at workshop two. Wow. So, that's I just saw your huge. mind explode, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think like having been in this space for coming up to a decade, which makes me feel slightly ill, but <laughs> knowing how hard it is to recruit for workshops, let alone recruit young people for workshops and I guess accessing and finding those incredibly passionate but also untapped sources of a youth position is really hard. So to have, for listeners who don't really understand or or haven't sort of worked in this field, to have 15 turn up is a massive thing. I had the privilege of being at the first workshop in the ACT and it was there was an energy in the room. But as you were saying earlier, Sam, Joey was the only young lived experience voice. And I think the only lived experience voice, everyone sort of came with their varying hats, but their primary hats were not lived experience from, if I recall correctly. And so I wanted to ask you, Joey, like being at that workshop and I know sort of chatting with you during and a bit after, like it was quite intimidating being on these tables with people who had PhDs or like degrees or like high flying jobs within the sector. And, and I know myself that sort of imposter syndrome of like, Oh, I'm just someone who's lived with this my whole life. Yeah. (laughs) Like downplaying your expertise. What did it feel like to go from, well, what did that feel like to be at that tape, those tables with that sort of uh, tsunami ahead of you? And then also, what did it feel like when Sam and the team were like, we need you, Joey, can you help us do this? And, and then, you know, carrying that on, what did it, what did it actually feel like and how did it make you and other young people that you talked with feel about there being this immediate response like you you were saying put it out there almost blue sky thinking like can we have another can we have a workshop in between this and then them being like yes yes we can help us organize like what what was going through your mind what were those experiences like that first workshop um yeah it was like intimidating but it was nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be like when I realized I was the young person there I was like oh here we go like I'm gonna have to be I tooth and claw here to like make sure that people actually listen to me. But it wasn't like that at all. I think every single table I was on, everyone let me talk as much as I'd like to. Basically, they were constantly passing the mic back to me, being like, what do you think about this? Like, <laughs> which is really great. I felt very included and I didn't really feel like there were people trying to dismiss me because of my age or because I'm not working in the sector. I feel like people actually trusted my opinions on the matter and were listening to me, which is really great. And I was so excited to be helping work like on the youth engagement team because, well, because technically I was with you guys a little bit before that because you'd come to Youth Advisory Council to kind of scout out some people for the first workshop and see if anyone wants to help get involved. And I was like, yeah, why not? And it was the best decision I made, to be honest, because there's gotten so many opportunities out of it. I almost said no as well. I was like, I'm really busy, but I'll I'll do it, I'll do it. (laughs) Thank God I did. 
so like I, I already kind of knew before workshop one what I was getting into because I had like attended like a meeting or so beforehand and I was like okay like this sounds really cool and like I did my little like lived experience speech at the beginning of the workshop one and so like I already felt like I was already a part of a team and already felt really included at that point even though I technically wasn't officially yet which is crazy right it's so good and so then coming back from that people immediately being like hey we need more youth engagement and like coming to me about that I don't know it it felt really good that people were making an effort you know seeing how many people were able to come to the workshop the youth workshop was really heartwarming I put in like (laughs) uh, a fair bit of effort trying to contact people to make sure that because obviously with short notice you need to kind of like really get yourself out there so I'd like you were spamming um, all the groups that were possible we need that I went to yeah so I studied at ANU um and so I went to the ANU Disabilities Association I went to the ANU like lived experience mental health online like Facebook groups I went to the ADHD associations I went to literally everyone and was like come to this thing please like it's gonna be really good you'll get paid money I went through all my social circles I posted on all my like Instagram Snapchat I went to I contacted my old college uh, to try and get some younger people so it wasn't just all uni students um and we had a couple we had like one person who was like 14 yeah, as well we had really good. Diverse um, representation. yeah, yeah. And everyone that had lived experience, every single one of those people had lived experience. We had people who were who were just like rural, like New South Wales, just out of just outside of ACT, who have like trying to access ACT systems and that kind of issue. We had exchange students. We had like massive LGBT representation um, and like cultural diversity. It was a really good like spread. And I kind of knew a lot of the people personally, so I was like, this feels a little bit <laughs> sketchy because, like, I see these people a lot. But I, I, I know neurodiverse people tend to hang out in clicks. So. <laughs> Very true. Uh, but it was really, really cool. And everyone who went, like, well, most people went, like, really enjoyed it and wanted to get on board. And there was, like, a debrief after workshop two that, like, a few people attended just to give, like, additional feedback and have their voice be heard and I don't know I think it went really really well and I think that most people there felt really really included in workshop like the youth workshop and yeah I don't know <laughs> like speaking of everyone feeling included um in that youth workshop what we what I don't know if everyone would know though is that we took the workshop one that we normally do and you and I broke it down completely to make sure it was accessible for yeah. the young people to be, yeah, redesigned it yeah um that's massive it was really fun and yeah. what, like what was that process like redesigning it for young people like was there a blueprint already i guess there is when it says redesign but like what was the process and and i guess how many young people were involved across the span sort of like what you were noting before about sort of like a diversity range etc I mean, we met like every, like an hour every day or two, like leading up, basically just going through the agenda because the first workshop also was a lot longer, right? Um, And it was like over a full day, whereas this youth workshop was three hours. So we had to somehow condense all of that into a shorter time frame, inform everyone of what the product's about without just like talking to them about it for ages, help them give their opinions on like the barriers to care, all the things in RRR. So we broke it up into three different activities and yeah 
<laughs> no, I mean, that's, it's good for it to be simple, right? And it, in healthcare and, and service provision and, and policy, it should be simple. I mean, really at the heart of care, the definition of care is compassion and care without compassion isn't care at all. And I think that that's what's been so from, you know, what I've been hearing in the, the hallways and things like that, that's what's been so revolutionary about right care first time where you live is the integral involvement of care and seeking not just you know the the view of budget or the view of like work capacity and view of sort of obviously geolocation but also looking at a young person's experience what also what the experience is as a clinician providing this service looking at how things like the inner world platform can be a lubricator or a intermediator for all of these these access points so yeah it, sh- it should be simple it should be an easy step situation Absolutely. And I think, didn't we, Joey, when I, even after the youth workshop, we were reflecting on what went well, what didn't go so well. And we noticed that um, some of the young people needed a little bit more support to engage in the process. Um, so by workshop two, we made sure we had dedicated um, youth support workers there because workshop two is quite heavy, right, Joey? <laughs> yeah, workshop two, I think, was a bit more tricky because, like, there was that big speech at the beginning explaining all the data and the stuff behind the model, which is really, really important for transparency. But I think a fair few of the young people kind of walked in and workshop, like the youth workshop, was rather hands-on the whole time and then kind of like probably expected something similar, came in and sat down and was like, what is all this data modelling stuff that they're saying? Because obviously there was like explanations about it at the youth workshop and again at workshop two at the beginning, but there was a few people who didn't really get it but then by the time we moved on to talking about interventions um and planning what interventions we should put in the model and then talking about like fleshing them out everyone was able to talk to it pretty well I think even one of the people who like I know personally um gave back feedback about how they just didn't really understand anything that was happening on the day still was able to give feedback within those groups and participate in one way or another and in the youth workshop we had something similar where like we, we obviously at both workshops we had a um like a, a safe space that was a bit quieter outside uh, so that they could feel people overwhelmed, they can go out there. And we had someone from our team, it was Nat, right, go and sit with a young person and, like, help them work through the activities using Padlet because we – I don't know if we explained Padlet. Yeah, what is Padlet? Um, Padlet is um, like a little, little software that we used in the youth workshop and workshop too that allows people to, like – ask questions in real time and it will pop up on the screen and for everyone to see. And honestly, you can comment on each other's posts and like them, et cetera, et cetera. But the way that we used it was so, and it meant that, so when we were talking about the um, the, the barriers to care and for young people to identify like some of the issues with the current system and they were putting up ideas like, oh, we need more trauma-reinforced care or um, blah, 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 blah. Everyone could see each other's posts. So it meant that when the young person had to leave the room, they could still be involved with the activity because they could see all that happening and answer them like outside and still be a part of it even if it was like overwhelming to be in the room at the time which I think is really cool (laughs) but um but yeah I think I think workshop two was a bit a bit more heavy in its contents and things like that what are you going to say something no no I was only going to say that um 
moving forward and moving to workshop three, I think we had a different vibe again where, you know, with workshop three, the big key thing that everyone gets to do in workshop three is hands-on laptops playing with the model. The real model is very alive, very um, mm. there. And um, an exciting part as well. You get it's to see. It's so exciting. You see people's faces light up. You know, we've got video, like some of the video footage we have of people pointing to their screen and getting excited, having robust conversations. It was just amazing. It's fantastic. But I think for me, um, as part of the youth engagement, my most heartening piece that came out of that was the young person um, who had struggled at the youth workshop to be engaged in the room actually by workshop three was asking us if they could proofread our model and make it more accessible for young people it was amazing this young person we thought we could have lost that young person back at the youth workshop we didn't. And then we had the benefit of their amazing um, knowledge and their amazing insight for the model. So this this was one of my favorite. It was so good that they came to workshop three and got involved with it all. This was the this was thing of the same person as the one that struggled a lot in workshop two with the understanding of it all. So I'm really, really happy. And I think like workshop three, there was only five or six of us, wasn't there? But there, it wasn't actually because people got disengaged after workshop two. It was because two people had moved overseas <laughs> um, from workshop two. And then, <laughs> unfortunately, we had, yeah, right? one of the other people was, is moving overseas next week and had to do prep. And unfortunately, we had issues with the venue. And so the original time we planned, which was in school holidays, got pushed back. And what that meant is that all the young age, school age at high school were going starting back at school like that week. And then all the uni students were in extreme heavy exam period. And so it just meant that a lot of people just couldn't make it because of the time change. So I, I'm and which I, I, I think it's really good the fact that people were messaging and being like, Oh, I really wanted to come, but I can't because of this today. And I'm like, I really wanted to be there. And, you know, same with workshop two, there was people who really wanted to come but couldn't. And we had, after workshop two, we had that little debrief meeting and those people could come and get involved with everything that had happened. And so, I don't know, I think it's really cool that the project's been so accommodating to try and help keep people on board for as long as possible and make sure that they feel listened and to. And I guess, too, Joey, with that sustainability, we've been, we've got some super user training coming up soon. And some of the young people who haven't been able to have a full day commitment to coming to the workshops, they're signing up for the super user training so that they can use them to be advocates for youth mental health in, in the ACT, which is fantastic. You know, they're, they're going to be able to run um, some different scenarios in the model and take that to their local minister and say, hey, look, this is what we should be investing in, you know. <laughs> here's the breakdown, here's why, and here's the evidence. Um, and there's nothing more empowering than having not only your own lived experience voice but also the evidence backing exactly. Yeah. So what does, when you talk about a, a platform ambassador, was that what you, uh, the term? Digital, yeah. So what does that look like in in reality when it comes to getting young people on board to be like, write a letter to your minister, you've, you've put this in and you can see that this is going to make a difference or won't make a difference or make something worse. What does that actually look like for a young person who may want to get involved or, or is getting involved in, in taking on a role like that? Oh, that's yeah, so um, the digital navigator role is a little bit separate from the right care first time 
work because that's like strictly inner well stuff but in terms of helping young people engage with like the right care right time like model um, it's tricky because I think it's best used when people do get to come to the training so that's kind of the stage we're in now where we're trying to make sure there's many young people as possible can come to those training sessions and learn now while they can and learn about the model because it might be difficult for a young person who hasn't attended the training to stumble across it and actually fully understand how it all works and the best way to interact with it but at the moment there's un- like basically everyone who was at the workshops is really excited to do the training and I'm not sure there's much that you need to do to keep them on board other than just sending out those reminders making sure that they're comfortable with the times and trying to be as accommodating as possible with working around people who can and can't make it because that's what I think has been one of the best things about this project is like Sam and everyone you've been so flexible where it's like you'll pick a day and I'm like no like six people can't make it that day and then we're like okay we'll do this date instead or we'll do this time instead and it's that that extra commitment to being flexible and like producing extra options for young people that I think has really helped people stay on board and I think if you take that same approach to training and making sure that there's a lot of options for people to get involved then it will really help them use learn how to use it the best way they can and then from that point on onward they can engage with the model and use it in their community however they see, see fit really um i wish i could say more on that but i'm, I'm not quite sure all i want to say is that it's just really really exciting for young people to, be able to have this opportunity to use this data in advocacy work and be able to actually go forward i know that the youth advisory council is probably going to love it when i was with them they 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 <laughs> would be great for some of the reports and things that they work on but <laughs> so what's been it it sounds like it's been one of the smoothest runs you know or not necessarily a smoothest run but such a a wonderfully uh in a, a wonderful run in sense of achievement and sort of the integration sort of getting a bit gritty what has been some of the challenges like from your perspective sam and then and i'll ask you the same question joey One of the key things that we wanted to make sure from the beginning is that young people were reimbursed for their time and involvement in the workshop. And unfortunately, some organisations are still not, they don't have their full policies for lived experience engagement yet. Um, And we've kind of needed to push them along the way to get that so that we can make sure that these young people are reimbursed for their time and their experience because it's so valuable. Um, So I think that was um, one of the hiccups we had along the way. Other than that, I I don't know, Joey, did you have any other ideas? Venue stuff was a bit of a hiccup again for workshop three, um, having the original date and a bit original venue and then that venue being like, oh, we can't do it or we're shutting down. And then, you know, all, all of that bit of a hassle. Same with, I think, the youth workshop. I'm so sorry. Springing on you guys. We're doing a youth workshop in two weeks. Find a venue is a lot, you know what I mean? And trying to find somewhere, that, you know, um, that, that would be in an accessible location for young people to get to and making sure that everyone was catered for was rather difficult. I, I, I can only imagine. And then I think, like, workshop two, there was a bunch of, like, small hiccups, I remember. Like, some of the feedback we got was, oh, like, the printouts of the slides weren't, weren't like, big and clear enough. And it was, like, it was supposed to be, but we had issues with printing out beforehand. Or, like, oh, they were, like or we wish that we had other people to speak to the project. Like, there was going to be, but poor Sam had COVID. So it was, like, small things like that where it was, like, we had plan for some really cool stuff and just minor little bumps and things which happens when you plan events it's always going to happen come up and 
kind of screw with it a little bit. And you can see when people are like, like, oh, it could have been cool if you did this. And I was sitting there like, oh, it was going to be, I promise. Like, this is what this is what it was going to be. And just small things like that. And that happens with every kind of project. So, But it's wonderful to hear that it's more admin things that you had pre-planned and you had the aspirations to do, but, you know, for whatever situation, weren't able to follow through with instead of it being something like the integrity of the voice or the implementation of the voice or like you were saying before the recruitment and how successful that was like this is something that you know in my opinion and that's only been a few years in research will revolutionize right like the way in which we roll things out and we understand like you were saying sam that realization or revolution revelation sorry of how integral certain voices are in certain places as it is where you live right like it's interchangeable yeah absolutely that's fantastic yeah it it is a 180 since uh the well not a 180 since the conversation we had joey and and like you said sam in march with elizabeth but it is it's a it's such a different conversation and not just because it's pre and post but also just the attitudes around it and the um invigoration is palpable i think even some of our other stakeholders were talking about how the direction the model was heading in workshop one compared to where the direct where the model ended up because of the strong youth lived experience voice um they they're just blown away by the fact that we we did it you know <laughs> it, it's, I don't know it's something that I'm so passionate about that it blows my mind that people won't always take the time to do it like how could we possibly have a youth mental health model without young people uh, that's baffled me for so long right like it's that classic lived experience idiom of nothing about us without us right yeah. like exactly and Sam, I am so grateful for your passion on that because, honestly, if it wasn't for you guys or the youth engagement team and how dedicated you were to putting in that extra mile, I do not think it would have been as successful as it is because you could have easily been like, oh, yeah, we need youth engagement. Hey, Joy, what do you want to do? And I could have been like, this would be a good idea. And you'd be like, oh, that sounds like too much effort. We're probably not going to get a turnout. We're not going to be able to get a lot of people in, in, in two weeks. There's no point. You know what I mean? But you didn't. Like, you had faith in it and you put in that extra effort and it was – really meaningful and it didn't just give young people an opportunity to share their voice in their project it gave them an opportunity to get involved with advocacy it was like the foot in the door for a lot of young people who really were passionate about mental health and neurodiversity and wanted to get involved with advocacy work and this experience let them do that and you know be compensated for their time and help them get involved with other projects and like for me like I got a job opportunity out of it which is amazing like so it was more than just a project like helped involve young people with this specific project you know and you know even the youth workshop and workshop two, we had one of the young people be the photographers for the day as well Oscar he's a great photographer and he you know (laughs) Awesome. He had the opportunity to um, not only attend the workshops and give his feedback as someone who, again, is like living slightly rural New South Wales and but living and being based fully in ACT and the challenges that come with that. He got to bring that unique perspective, but also got the opportunity to have like paid photography work, which is something that he's like doing a career in on the side. I don't know. This, it just gave so many opportunities to so many young people. And as someone who's passionate about advocacy, seeing so many people get that first opportunity and get to put it on their resume and get involved is just really, like, exciting. (laughs) I'm rambling a little bit, but 
it warms my heart. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it was truly co-driven. Yeah. Well, and this wasn't from this work. We've had, what, there's two other projects happening in the ACT now that this group of young people are involved in. Yeah, with the Mind Map Youth Engagement Portal, which is a really, really important tool for people in ACT to help find mental health services that are, like, relevant to them, is something that, you know, is, 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 is still improving. And in order to help it improve to the best of its ability, young people need to be involved and now we've got a whole like reference group for mind map now you know what I mean and there's all these young people now getting involved from that project to this project and who have a strong understanding of the systems because we just did all the systems modeling being able to to have their say on other important issues and um other important platforms I don't know it's just really exciting seeing <laughs> everything that's come of it I think, and with, with investing in these young in the young people in the act the knowledge that these guys are building up and building up is so helpful for the act in the future you know these guys are our future policy makers are our future ambassadors and the fact that they have this knowledge intimate knowledge of the system in the act is just priceless I think. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, I think it, it, it is so underrated how impressive this process has been and how impressive this tool can be for the advocacy, can be for the individual, not just at a service policy level, but also as a per- on a personal level, like you were just saying, Sam, and we sort of fought to say about the knowledge transition and uh, tr- translation, like, upskilling them in this and and they are the future leaders of that that location of where they live and to know that you're investing not just in the present and the advocacy of the present but also the future of the lives is beyond it's so good the amount of like professional and personal development opportunities that came out of it for a lot of people was insane i mean i i'm a little bit biased (laughs) i'm bit eager but I just really think the training especially like not not just having lived experience be a part of co-design the model but having everyone involved have the opportunity to be trained and using the model it's just such a great skill to have um it gives people who've you know some people that had never ever encountered like data analysis outside of maybe like a year math class you know what I mean and they're leaving being like I want to learn how to use this model I want to show people how you do that. And that's just great. Like, you know, if you ever want to apply for admin jobs or you want to go into policy, like those are important skills to have, be able to like understand data and how it works. And I think it's just really exciting that it's created so many opportunities and that the project itself is going to create so many opportunities in like the policy sector for such great change in the ACT. I'm really hoping that like our government uses it really well you guys are going to hold them accountable right joey i will <laughs> personally i'll open their doors i'll be like look at them right <laughs> yeah so i i guess like talking about opportunities and and sort of rounding up our conversation going forward joey you mentioned was it mind map yeah mind map yeah what are what are the opportunities what are the next steps for not just the project of Right Care First Time where you live, but also the the community from, I guess, implementing that decision support tool and also those young voices in sort of being involved in other projects, et cetera, et cetera. 
the flow-on effect is going to be massive. Mind map is one of those tools. That I, I think we talked about it in our previous. Um, yes. Yeah. Where it has the potential to really, really make a huge impact in ACT, but it's just not quite, not quite there yet. Not many people know about it. It needs to get the name out there. And what's the best way to get lived experience people to be using a website, have lived experienced people helping you advertise it, helping you teach about it, helping you make it more accessible. And like, if anything shows that's similar to the difference between workshop one and workshop two, the difference of having like lived experience, young people help draw in other young people is really impactful. And mind map, I think, I think one of the things that we found out on the model was that it was, one of the interventions was around a, a model basically like MindMap, a, a software that you can use to help navigate, like, techno- like a technology you can use to help navigate the mental health care system. And that was one of the strongest interventions. Like when you turned it on um, and you saw how it affected uh, the graph and you saw how it would decrease social uh, – sorry, sorry uh, – distress in young people. It's distress, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, distress. <laughs> um, how, uh, the distress in young people would, would drop. And most of the interventions, you need to turn on a couple more with them to make it really effective and make sure you're increasing service capacity. But in that first, like when we were playing around with it, that was one of the ones that on its own was making significant impact. You know what I mean? Like obviously you need to turn on lots of things to help and fund lots of areas to make it the most impactful. But that was one of the ones that, on their own, most interventions did nothing, but that one did something. And if that is what my map is, which is basically what it is, can you imagine how good it will be when that's also being co-designed and constantly being updated with lived experience voice and making the website accessible to young people, getting it out there? You'll be able to see, like, we have the evidence from the model how much that's going to impact, like, young people and, and lowering their distress so I don't know. This is it's just all really exciting, and I think that flow-on effect of having young people be engaged with mind map is going to make the the statistics that we saw come out saw come out of the right care first time model come to fruition. And Sam, from your perspective as well. Yeah. So I think that ACT has set the bar so high um, for user <laughs> experience. And we just to remember, we're doing this program across eight sites in Australia over the next few mm. years, and ACT was the first one. Um, so we're headed to Brisbane South next year, as well as Western Sydney, and they they've got a pretty high bar to live up to. And I'm excited to see what we can do in this space in those two areas and what we can learn from the ACT experience so that we make sure we get young people there from the beginning, since before the workshop one. And that's really, really key. And um, I'm sure that um, all of the PHNs that we're working with are going to really take on board what was learnt in the ACT and, you know, keep building, keep building on this, keep making sure that youth lived experience is part of the research and is the voice in the research. So that's what's exciting for me, Sam. That's so huge. And it's been such a pleasure hearing the the development and the continuation and the, like I said before, the excitement from just the wider brain and mind center team about hearing about the you know the code the true co-driving and and to hear about uh, the photographer oscar and being able to sort of use his gifts and his skills to benefit the project as well is just it is mind-blowing it it is really a revolutionary 
process and and shows the ability that if if you put your mind to it and if it is something that you really want you can achieve it that idiom where there's a will there's a way right so yeah I'm so excited (laughs) me too I think it goes to show just how much can happen when you put faith into young people you know what I mean and actually learn to trust them and work alongside them and not you know, I feel like a lot of people who have more experience in the workforce, you know, they're, they're, they're more mature, they've had more years, they, they understand a lot more about the world. So they might look at someone younger and go, mm, I like your idea, but I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? But I think being a skeptic is important. It's how you make, it is important to be a skeptic. It's important to make informed decisions and not just like blindly follow a young person because they say it's like, this will be a great idea. But I think having the approach that Sam did and the team having such an open and welcoming approach and making sure that all ideas were listened to and really putting the dedication into making sure that my ideas and everyone's ideas were a priority was really incredible. And I hope that people can see like how effective it was in ACT was because of that willingness to work alongside young people and like having that drive, that passion that Sam has and that dedication to, you know, being as flexible as possible. I hope that that other like projects can see what we've done here and want to replicate that because they've seen good results. What a sum up. Thank you so much. Like you've done my job for me. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I want to thank you both Joey and Sam for, for coming back and joining us and, and, I'm sure we'll have a few episodes down the the path of checking back in here and there. So I look forward to to chatting again. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks so much.